0: Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day 3 Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life. In the letter to the Roman believers that we now call the... Uh the New Testament book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says forth what is probably maybe the most important doctrinal book in the Bible. He begins with a few uh, introductory comments and moves quickly into his first main topic. And the first main topic was the, uh, the doctrine of sin. The doctrine of sin was his first main topic. In discussing the doctrine of sin... He clearly, without pulling any punches at all, shows why we are accountable to God, that God is real, that He's there, He's the Creator, that He's the only one that's righteous, He's the only one that's perfect, and that we are not, so we're guilty before Him as sinners. Then he moves from talking about the doctrine of sin to the second main theme, and that's where we are right now in our study as we go through the book of Romans to the... To the doctrine of salvation. And I'll, I'll tell you guys, I was, you know, it's, it's needful to talk about sin. It's needful for us to have spent the four or five weeks that we did on the doctrine of sin. But I couldn't wait to leave that topic to where we could talk about salvation. We need to understand we're sinners because if we fail to recognize that we're sinners and we can't save ourselves, then we're not going to be willing to see God's salvation. But as he talks about the, the doctrine of salvation, he clearly lets us know that it doesn't take place by our goodness. It doesn't take place by works. It's not you and I are in our salvation. He, he wrote these words that we've already looked at in this series, where which says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. In other words, nobody's going to be made right before God just by trying to obey the law. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, what the law really does is just show us how bad we are and how much we need grace. But but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. He's already told us, Before we get to the text we're looking at today, that salvation is not something we earn. It's not something that we work for. It's by faith in Jesus. Later on that same chapter, he said, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So Paul, as he writes these things, claiming that our salvation, that being made just and right before God, is not based upon what we do. Instead, it's based upon faith and what Christ has done. He understands that there will be these people who are reading the book that might want to point back into the Old Testament and say, well, what about the Ten Commandments? Or what about circumcision? Or what about Abraham? Or what about David? Or what about these others? You know, long ago before Jesus came in and died for our sins. So what Paul does in the verses that we're going to look at today, and we're going to be in chapter 4 today in verse 1 through 12, what Paul does is go into that Old Testament, and he brings up a very famous Bible character by the name of Abraham, and he's going to use Abraham's own example to show us undeniably that Abraham's salvation and our salvation is not based upon works or something we do. It's based upon faith taking God at His promise, but believing what God has said. I hope today will be a blessing for you because I know we live in a culture today, you hear a lot of different voices, a lot of different things you can hear in TV ministries and everything like that, and, and, and a lot of people I think are still walking around carrying a ton of guilt on them, and they're not allowing God's grace to be as big as it ought to be. And people are wanting to tie salvation to Jesus plus works or Jesus plus the Ten Commandments and, and a lot of things. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I hope you'll open your heart and listen today because I, I think today I'll be very freeing, uh, for you. And it should, should really be some things that increase your faith. So what I, I want us to look at today is really this. We're going to, we're going to look at the example of Abraham and how salvation is by faith alone. But as we look at these verses, I, I want you to see three three main faith inspiring facts. Three main faith inspiring facts as we look at these verses. Here's the first fact out of these verses that we're looking at that ought to kind of inspire your faith and in, increase your faith, and that is that Abraham was made righteous by faith. Abraham was not made right with God based upon works, based upon Abraham being a really good person, based upon ritual, or anything like that. Abraham was made righteous completely and totally by faith. And we're going to look at that in verse 1 through 5. To start with, this salvation that we're talking about by faith is illustrated. It's illustrated here. What Paul does, as I said a moment ago, he's going to take Abraham, Abraham's life, Abraham's own personal experience, how Abraham was made right before God or made just before God, and he's using Abraham as an illustration for salvation being by faith alone. Look at what he writes in verse 1 through 3. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. In other words, if Abraham made himself right before God by good works, then he would have really had something to brag about. And you would have seen that in the Bible, but we don't get that image of Abraham in the Bible at all. Instead, we're told, but not before God. Abraham had nothing in himself that made him so good or right that he could boast before God saying, look at me, I'm Abraham. He did not have it, neither do you and I have anything in ourselves whereby we can boast before God. But what does the Scripture say? And I want you to kind of file that question away in your mind. We'll come back to that at the very end of the message. But that's a really, really, really important question. You see, your salvation or my salvation, it does not matter what we think or the way we feel or what our emotions might say. The, The huge question we need to always answer is this. What does the Bible say? It doesn't matter what you think and what I think and what anybody else thinks or what Dr. So-and-so thinks. It matters what the Bible has to say. So kindly file that away. What does the Scripture say? And here's what the Scripture said. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him, reckoned to him, appointed to him, given to him. The fact that he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, in, in the Jewish way of thinking, and uh, Paul would have understood this, the, the Jews really, really equated Abraham as being right with God. so So much so that the Jews referred to heaven as being in the bosom of Abraham. Or at the side of Abraham. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 16 even used that phraseology, you know, as though being in heaven means you're in Abraham's bosom. And that's the way the, the Jews thought about it. So if there's anybody that the, the Jewish thought would have said, yeah, he's in heaven, they would have thought it to be Abraham because they even equated being where Abraham is means that you're in heaven yourself also. So that's why Paul is using this as an illustration. That's why Paul brings up Abraham to talk to us about how Abraham, their father in the flesh, was justified. In other words, was Abraham made right by obeying the Ten Commandments? Was Abraham made right by God because he was circumcised? Was Abraham right before God just because he's this huge Bible character by the name of Abraham? And the answer to all of those is no, that's not what made Abraham righteous. He wasn't made righteous by any of those things. I mean, one reason is this. You know, a lot of people make it sound like, well, you have to obey the Ten Commandments if you want to go to heaven. Well, Abraham could not have been made righteous by the Ten Commandments or by the law, and here's why. God did not give the Ten Commandments until 430 years after God made Abraham righteous, and he gave that to Moses, not to Abraham. It's a complete Impossibility that Abraham was made right before God because he jumped through all the hoops of the Ten Commandments. Because they didn't even exist yet. That is not the method that God uses to make us right before Him. The Bible tells us this. I told you the question is, what does the scripture say? The Bible tells us this. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. In, in, in the story, the background story that Paul is quoting from, it's found in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, the background of that is uh, uh, God, in, uh, in, in a vision, brings Abraham out and he tells Abraham, I want you to look up toward heaven. And I want you to number the stars. And he says, if you're able to number them. And then he said, then he said to him, God said to Abraham, so shall your offspring be. Now, now, factor a couple things in to make this an amazing statement. At the time, God is making this promise to Abraham that he's going to have that many offspring. Abraham and his wife were both beyond the normal age of having children. So it's not going to happen just by normal physical things. It's almost like this impossible promise is being given to Abraham. You know, he he looks at Abraham and he says, you know, count the stars if you can. Another place that, that he makes this covenant with Abraham says, count the sand of the sea. And that's how large your offspring's going to be. Abraham's over here probably thinking to himself in his flesh, God, do you know how old I am? Do you know how old my wife is? That sounds like it's completely impossible. But instead what happened is this. He, referring to Abraham, because there's a lot of he's here, I want you to be sure you understood the thought of it. He, Abraham... Believe the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him, Abraham, as righteousness. Do you see that? The way Abraham was made righteous before God was not by being Abraham the Bible character or Abraham the circumcised or Abraham obeying the Ten Commandments and obeying the law. He simply did this. He believed God. He believed the promise of God. He took God at His Word, and God counted it to him as being righteous. You see, the reason that's a huge thing for us is this. It might sound impossible to Abraham at his age to have been told, you're going to have this many offspring because he's so old. Guess what? In my mind, it seems impossible to me that someone like me one day can go to heaven. How about you? It seems almost impossible to me that somehow God can forgive me for all of my sins and that somehow through Jesus dying on the cross, God paid for all of my sin. And by faith in him, I can be forgiven and have everlasting life. In my flesh and my logic, that kind of seems impossible. Like it might have seemed impossible to Abraham to think he's ever going to have any kids. But here's the deal with it. God does the impossible. And we need to take God at His Word, and we need to believe what God says. And when we take God at His Word, He counts that to us for for righteousness. Let me, let me give you some reasons why Abraham didn't deserve to be counted righteous. Abraham came out of a very heathen culture. He was called by God, not because Abraham was good, God, by His grace, caused Abraham to leave this place that he grew up in, that all they did was worship idols. And God said, Abraham, I want you to follow me, and I'm going to take you to a place that you've never seen before, and I'm going to give that to you as your inheritance. So it wasn't because Abraham deserved it. God, by his grace, called him to follow him. So Abraham believes God, and he leaves out. But in the process, when they get into Egypt, Abraham lies about his wife being his wife. Because Sarah was really pretty, and he said, man, if they think that you're my wife, they will kill me so they can have you. So he lied, and he had his wife to lie about being his wife and instead say that you're my sister. So the reason I'm pointing all that out to you is just to prove a fact. Abraham was a sinner just like you and I are. Abraham did not deserve grace he did not deserve to be counted as righteous because he himself told that lie not just that abraham even though he believed god him and sarah got a little bit impatient and thought we'll help god out just a little bit so sarah comes up with her own plan And Sarah says, look, as old as I am and everything like that, maybe what God means is this. We need to help God out a little bit. Why don't you come over here to Hagar, my maidservant, and you have sex with her, and she will conceive the child. And that must be what God means. But you see, that is not what God meant. God had made a promise. And God intended to keep the promise. Our problem is we think we can help God out, even with our salvation sometimes. No, we can't. It's based upon His promise. Matter of fact, the issues that's going on in the Middle East and I have for years and years and years and years, hundreds of years, and will continue to go on. You don't know why that's happening right now? Because Abraham and Sarah tried to help God out. Because there is now a group of people called the Arabs who claim to be from Abraham and the Jews who are really God's seed through Abraham, and they both have been fighting and bickering all those years over the land right there. Why did it happen? Simply because in a moment's notice, he committed an act that he should never have committed. The only reason I'm dealing with that is this. I want you to see, Abraham did not deserve to be righteous. Abraham, you see, we, we tend to do this, I think, a lot of times. We'll read about the Bible characters, and we'll get in our minds somehow they're special, or, or they're so much better than we were, when the truth of the matter is this. God tells us the good, bad, and the ugly about people in the Bible. Abraham did not deserve to be righteous. God made him righteous because he believed God by faith. That's, how, well, that's why he's righteous, not because he was sinless, not because he was perfect, because he wasn't. The Bible says that God promised him all those offspring. And the only reason he's made righteous is this. Abraham believed God. He took God at his word and God counted it to him as righteous. The Hebrew word that's used for believe there literally means this. Abraham said amen. Man, that sounds simple, doesn't it? God said, Abraham... Don't pay any attention to the fact that you're old and the Sarah's old. I'm promising you, you're going to have this large number of descendants, and through them, the whole earth's going to be blessed because through those descendants, Jesus Christ himself would come into this world. And Jesus Christ would pay the sins for all the world. He's telling him, this will happen, and what Abraham does is say this, Amen, God. I believe that's the final word. I believe that will happen. But say, that's good for Abraham. What about me? Here's what I'm telling you. Abraham was made righteous not because he deserved it, not because of good works, not because of circumcision, not because of anything he did in his flesh, not because he's Abraham the Bible character. The Bible tells us clearly, he took God at his word. He believed the promise of God. And God said, because you believe me, I am making you righteous. And that's the exact same thing God does for us. We have to take God at His word that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. We have to take God at His word that when Jesus hung on the cross, He paid for all the sins of that we've committed, that you and I have ever committed, that mankind has ever committed. Jesus made full payment for the sins of mankind. We believe that He was put in a tomb. We believe He took His life back up on the third day to show that He had done exactly what He said He would do. We have to take God at His word about Jesus Christ. And when you and I believe the promise of God that through Jesus Christ, we have everlasting life when we believe God and take God in His Word. That's how we're made righteous. Scriptures like this in Romans chapter 10. Move ahead, please. Keep going. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you might possibly make it in. Is that what it says? What does it say? you will be saved. with the heart one believes and is justified, in other words, when you believe, you're made just like you've never sinned, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. Later on he says this, same chapter, for everyone, aren't you glad it says everyone? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what does it say again? Help, help, help your old pastor out in his vision. What's it say? We'll be saved. It, it says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It, does it, it just talked about believing by faith right before that. Where's, where's obeying the Ten Commandments? Where's baptism? Where's good works? Where's being a good person? See, that's not how God makes us righteous. The Bible says there's no one good. Not one of us are good. The Bible clearly tells us that no one will be justified by obeying the law. We cannot be made right before God by trying to be good and obeying the law. All that we can do, all that Abraham did as the example for us, and all that you and I can do is take God at His word, believe what God tells us. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and what thou shalt be saved. Abraham was made righteous. He was counted righteous before God simply because he believed by faith. Couldn't be by the law, didn't even exist yet. Salvation is illustrated here, but salvation by faith alone is also contrasted here. He gives us a contrast, Paul does, as he he writes about salvation by faith. In verse 4 and verse 5, he's going to contrast works, and grace or works, earning it, and in a gift. Look at look at the next slide. Verse four, he's talking about trying to earn salvation. Here's the contrast that we need to get. You can try to earn it, which is not going to work, or you can accept it as as a gift. Look at what he says in verse four. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. In other words, when, when you get your paycheck. It's because you've earned it, you have worked for it. It's not a gift that's given to you. Salvation, on the other hand, God tells us is a free gift. The Bible says it's a gift. By His grace that He wants to give us. You cannot earn it. You cannot work for it. So why try to earn it like a lot of people somehow think they can do? They're trying somehow to earn their salvation. And that keeps it from being what God wants it to be. And that's a, and that's a gift. We've already seen, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. In other words, no one, no one, no one ever has or ever will come up to God and say, God, I have been so good, and I have obeyed you to the degree that you owe me. And since you owe me, you have to open the gates of heaven and let me in because you owe me because of what I've done. That will never, ever happen because no one's good. Because no one can earn it. No one through their, their work can earn it. So that's, that's, but that's one thing that he's contrasting. They're trying to earn salvation, but that doesn't work. So what we have to do is this. We have to believe and receive salvation. It's not works. It's a gift. So instead of trying to earn it, you need to take God's method, which is believing and receiving salvation. Look what he says in verse number five. And to the one who does not work, but trust or believes, him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Now I want you to consider the contrast for a minute before I kind of break that down a little bit more. He's given us a comparison or something to, for you to contrast. you know, which would you prefer? Well, would you prefer a method of where you have to earn your salvation and be good, and you would never, ever fully know when you've done enough? and you're trying to work, 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 work your way to heaven, or would you rather have a method of where God says, if you take me at my word, I will give it to you as a free gift? I mean, which would you rather have? Well, let me illustrate that a little bit more. If I were to tell you that if you work really hard all the days of your life that you potentially might earn a million dollars, or if I were to tell you I'm going to give you a million dollars simply because I want to give it to you, you don't have to work at all, I'm going to give it to you, which are you going to choose? When I said that, we probably had some people wake up for the first time in six months, wait a minute, what did the preacher say today? Did he say something about giving me a million dollars? Honestly, which would you choose? If you had to work for it all the days of your life to get a million dollars or accept it as a free gift from somebody, which are you going to choose? I don't know about you. I'm going to say, give it to me now. huh? Same thing's true of salvation. You can try and earn it, earn it, earn it. Earn it. It's not going to work because no one can earn it. It's not by works of the law. We've already seen that. The only option is to take it as a gift. And yet people keep throwing that back. You've you seen the advertisement. I think it's uh is a Capital One that's running the, the, the advertisement on TV right now. It's got Jimmy uh, Fallon doing that advertisement. They've had the baby in it, you know, for uh, a few months now. And the idea is everybody likes free money and everything. And he comes up, you know, trying to say, well, give free money to the baby. And the baby always throws it back in his face or breaks a guitar or does something. You know, baby's always saying no. He said, "Well, everybody wants you know, you know, free money except the baby. That's the way a lot of people are when it comes to salvation. God's wanting to give it to you for free, and people are throwing it back in His face, like they think somehow they don't need it, or they don't want it, or they, or they have to earn it. And God wants to give it to you as a free gift. And you see, that's the only way that works. Did did you notice what God does in that text? Did you notice this? Next, Next slide." In that text, it said God does what? He justifies who? Man, that don't fit our mindset, does it? I mean, surely God only justifies people that deserve it. Well, the problem is <laughs> nobody deserves it. The, the reason, the reason God justifies the ungodly is because everybody's ungodly. We, we all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. God cannot justify us by our works. It has to be by faith. God counts our faith as righteousness, taking Him and His Word just like He did Abraham, not you and I trying to work our way to heaven. The the words that He is translated in our Bible, some of your translations say counted, some say reckoned, but uh, that word all means the same thing. It means it was put to a person's account. It's kind of like a banking term is what it means. But here's, uh, here's some of the definition of, of the word that's translated counted when it said Abraham believed God and God counted it to him or reckoned it to him as righteousness. the word means to take an inventory it means to estimate it means to reason or reckon the root word means a reason or a computation. The computation reminds me of a mathematical equation or something you're trying to compute something out you know like you're trying to add something up and, and, and get out what it equals. Here's the way God computes salvation. You take me at my word, you believe me, and it equals salvation for you. That's how God computes it. That's God's math equation when it comes to our, our spiritual destiny is that we take God at His Word and He, He reckons us. The, the root word is also built on the same, from the same word that is translated the Logos. And the Logos means this about Jesus. It means Jesus is the very living expression of the righteousness of God. That's who the Logos is. That's who Jesus is. Now think about that for a moment. That means when Abraham believed God by faith, God counted to him as though he were as righteous as Jesus. And when you and I believe God by faith, God reckons to us or He accounts to us not that we can deserve it, not that we earn it. No, it's opposite of that completely. It's all that His grace is a free gift. When we take God at His Word, He gives us to our account the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Like I said, it's a banking term. If you go to your bank and you deposit your paycheck, that's something you earned. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody else going to your bank simply because they choose to, because they want to do it, and they go put money on your account because they want to do it as a gift. See, that's what God does for us in salvation. If He gave us salvation because we earned it like a paycheck to put on our deposit, then that would not be God's grace. And that wouldn't be salvation as a gift. What God does is on your behalf, on your account, your eternity account, whether or not you're right with God, God gives you, He deposits upon your life the very holiness and the very righteousness of Jesus Christ the moment you take God by faith and you believe in Jesus. He gives you the very very righteousness of God. Not only does he use Abraham as an illustration of salvation by faith, he uses another Bible character out of the Old Testament. He uses a testimony from King David. So this this second main faith increase in fact this morning is found in verse 6 through 8. David's testimony of the blessing of faith. He gives a, a testimony. He quotes David from the Old Testament. Remember what I said about Abraham. Paul knew that the Jews would have thought really good of Abraham. So that's why he uses Abraham as illustration. Guess what? The Jews thought really good of King David. So he said, I'm also going to prove to you that salvation is by faith alone, by what David has to say. Now I want to remind you before I tell you what David has to say, that David in no way, shape, or form earned salvation or deserves salvation. To start with, he was just this little sh- shepherd boy that when they were trying to choose the king and was going to come out of his family, everybody left at home because they thought he couldn't be the one to begin with. But he was the one. But even though David was chosen to be king, David was not perfect. There's a time in his life when the kings were supposed to be at battle, and he decided to stay home and not go to the battle. And on that day, he walked out on the rooftop of his house. And when he walked out on the rooftop of his house, he looked across and saw this beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba who was bathing. And he lusted after her, and he sent his servants to go and get her and bring her to him. And he had sex with her, and she conceived a child. When he found out about it, instead of repenting of his sin, he conceived a plan to have her husband Uriah killed, during a battle trying to cover up his sin. So David, no way, shape, or form, deserved salvation. You understand that? David was not made righteous because of his goodness. Because he obeyed God. That's not why he was made righteous. I want you to listen to this testimony of King David. And he... It's a quote from Psalm 32 in verse 1 through 2, which, by the way, is is uh, part of David's repentance psalms. He's confessing his sin that I just mentioned to you, the story I just told. And I want you to listen to two, two huge, amazing statements that he makes. Here's, here's the first statement that David makes. God forgives and imputes His righteousness to sinners, which David was. And you and I are. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. God forgives and imputes or gives his righteousness to sinners. How? Apart from works. Look what he wrote there. He quotes David from the Psalms. Just as David also speaking of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. David is talking about the blessing that it is for God to count you righteous, not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, not because you worked for it, but He simply counts you being righteous. He looks at you and He says, because of your faith in Me, I am making you righteous. We're justified by God through faith in Jesus. And when that happens, our, our record is changed. Like you're in a court of law to where you're set free as though you have never ever sinned. That's the way God looks at it. We're all guilty, but the moment we receive Christ as our savior, he justifies us and makes it just like we've never sinned. And he doesn't do it because of works. He does it apart from works. He does it simply because of our, of our faith. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Now, now please get that part. Because you might be thinking to yourself, how in the world could God forgive David? Look what he did. You may be thinking about your own life and be thinking, how can God forgive me? Because look what I've done. Here's how. He covers your sins not with a blanket. He covers your sins with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ, God gives you the very righteousness of Jesus. Your sins are covered. God will not see them anymore, cannot see them anymore, because they are completely covered from His view by the blood of His Son. Man, isn't that good news? It's not for you. You might not be honest with your own life. I tell you what, I'm thrilled to death because I know things that I've done in my life. And I am thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly thrilled that he can't see them anymore. And it's not because Lynn Parsons is good. It's exactly the opposite reason from Lynn Parsons being good. It's because I've taken God at His Word and He has covered my sin with the blood of Jesus. And He cannot see my sin anymore. And David calls that what? A blessing. Amen. It is, isn't it? Man, isn't that a blessing to know that God's covered your sin with the shed blood of Jesus? And because of that, you're forgiven of the lawless deeds, not because of works, but simply because of faith. Here's a second amazing statement that that David makes. God does not count the sin of sinners. He's forgiven against them. Look what he says. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wrestle with that a lot. Do you? I mean, you know you've believed in Jesus. You know He paid for it on the cross. But be honest. Don't you wrestle sometimes with all this stuff I've done? I mean, you almost get to feeling like God's in heaven and He's got this ledger that He's writing it all down. And and one day He's going look here. I, I wrestle with that. Even though doctrinally, theologically, I, I know that's, that's not going to happen. But be honest, don't, don't you wrestle that a little bit? The idea of God in heaven and he's, and he's writing it all down. Now, if you don't know Christ as your savior, you're in trouble. I'm telling you, you're in trouble. <laughs> that's why you need his grace. But if you know Christ as your savior, if you've taken God at his word, if you've believed God and taken God at his word, he's not up in heaven counting your sin against you anymore. Think about, the, think about how great that is to understand that, that through Jesus we're forgiven and we're justified by faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And God will never, ever, 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 ever hold your sins against you. Well, but I, but I thought I have to confess my sin, even though I'm a believer. You do. The Bible tells us that. But you know why you're supposed to do it? It's not so you can keep your relationship with God. Your relationship is sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's so you can maintain the fellowship with Him that you ought to have. I I illustrate that like this. There are times you might hurt your earthly father, but guess what? Even though you disappoint your parent, your earthly father, still your dad doesn't change. You need to say, I'm sorry, Dad, I did this. Not so He'll keep being your father. You need to say, I'm sorry, to keep that that fellowship where it ought to be. To where there's not any barrier between you and your your parent. You understand the illustration that I'm saying? Same thing is true of us and God. Once you receive Christ as your Savior, He is your Father for all eternity. And relationship-wise, that never, ever changes. You don't need to confess sin in order that you will be saved still. You need to confess it in order just to keep the the fellowship where it needs to be. Because the Bible clearly tells us that He will never, ever, ever hold our sins against us. Oh, God's keeping a record. He's keeping a record of our works, not in order that we might be saved. He's keeping a record of our works now as believers so one day He can reward us. But He never, ever, ever, if you know Christ is your Savior, please get this, please do. Because I'm just like you are, man. I get a boatload of guilt on me a lot of times from my past and how i failed and how I still fail sometimes. And the devil wants to come around and point his finger at us. need to break the devil's finger off and point it at this passage of Scripture and say what David says here. God will never, ever count our sins against us if we have faith in Him. That ought to so liberate you and help you understand how, how big the grace of, of God is. You see, the reason he won't do it is this. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse 21 tells us this. For our sake, he talking about God the Father made him talking about Jesus, God the Son. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Perfect, sinless Lamb of God. God in the flesh, sinless. God the Father made Him literally to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him, in Jesus, we who have faith in Him, is what He's saying, might become the righteousness of God. I call that the great exchange because right there, you have the greatest exchange, a trade-off that's ever happened or ever will happen in history. God takes our sin and He gives it to Jesus. God takes the holiness and righteousness of Jesus and He gives it to us when we believe Him by faith. And that's why He'll never count our sins against us. Salvation completely and totally is by faith. It's not by works. Abraham gives us an illustration of that. Abraham was not saved by good works. He was saved by believing God, and God counted him righteous. You and I are not saved by good works. We have to take God in His word, believe in Jesus Christ and what He's done for us on the cross, and God counts that to us as righteousness. And He forgives us apart from works as the testimony of David, and He does not count our sin against us. Man, you ought to say hallelujah. But I want to close by giving you this third third faith increasing fact that you find in, in these verses. Righteousness by faith is available to some. You going to let me get away with it? Righteousness by faith is available to who? All. Look at these verses. Verse 9 through 12. Is this blessing? The blessing he's talking about is just what David said, being forgiven without works of the law. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? In other words, is it only for the Jews or is it also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. In other words, Abraham, as we've already established this morning, was made righteous because he believed God. So we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Is what Paul is saying that he was counted righteous. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, talking about the Gentiles, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, merely didn't have this outward cut in their flesh, but also walked in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Now, I'm just going to approach that and kind of boil it down in, in a couple of big thoughts. No points or anything to, to go with this, uh, points for you to write down or anything. What he's saying is that Abraham is the father of those who... Are Jewish and non-Jewish, those who were circumcised and those who were not. Salvation is available by faith to all people. Not just those who are Jewish, not just those who followed ritual, not just those who had this cut in their flesh. Salvation is available by faith to all. I told you earlier that Abraham was made righteous 430 years before the law was given guess what? Abraham was made righteous 14 years before he was ever circumcised. In Genesis 15, where we were at earlier, when God brought him out and said, Look here and count all the stars. I'm giving you a promise. That's the way your offspring's going to be. And he believed God, and God counted it to Abraham for righteousness. That's Genesis chapter 15. It's over in Genesis 17 when Abraham goes through the rite of circumcision not to save him. It was to give a sign or a picture of the seal of the promise that God had already given him. Fourteen years later, circumcision had nothing to do with salvation. By the way, as I studied it this week, you want to, you know, how old Abraham was when he circumcised? Ninety-nine years old, and all the adult males in the congregation go, Ugh. "Ouch!" You know, ninety-nine. But he was made righteous by believing God 14 years before that. And all circumcision is is like a sign or a picture of the covenant. It's like baptism for us kind of today. Baptism doesn't save anybody. You're not saved because you're baptized. You're saved because you come to faith in Jesus. You're baptized on the other side of your salvation. has nothing to do with your being saved. You are saved totally Only because of the finished work of Jesus, and you accept that by faith. You believe God, you take God in His Word, and God counts that to you for righteousness. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5 through 7 says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham did what? Believe God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Later on in that chapter, it says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to what? What does it say? Promise. Promise. What's that mean? That means this. You take God at his word to be counted righteous. Abraham believed God and was counted him for righteousness. And you and I, what we have to do is believe God. Take God at his word. Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins. Took his life back up. He's going to rule and reign forever. We take God at His Word. We believe God. When God says if we will believe in Jesus, He'll make us righteous. Not that we deserve it. Not that we can earn it. He makes us righteous. He calls us righteous by His amazing grace in spite of who we are because of faith in His Son. So here's the main question today. I told you to file it away in the back of your mind when I read it to start with. The main question is this, for what does the Scripture say? See, that's the main question. We're talking about your eternal destiny. We're talking about how Abraham was made righteous. It was by faith. The Bible says he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's what the Bible says. See, your eternal destiny today is not dependent upon What Dr. So-and-so says or some TV evangelist or what you feel or think about it yourself, your eternal destiny is based upon what does the Scripture say? What does the Bible say? It says this, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's the exact same way God makes us righteous. Not by obeying the law, not by works of the flesh, not by rituals like circumcision, not by going to church, not by singing songs of praise and worship, not by tithing, not by doing any of those things. If you're still trying to work your way to heaven and hold on to your unrighteousness in some way, here's what's taking place on the cross. The cross of Jesus is screaming out, Stop! Stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop trying to think you make yourself right by coming to church. Stop trying to think if you give money at church, you're okay. Stop trying to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop, 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 because none of that works. The only thing that works is Jesus Christ and His shed blood. The only thing that works is you and I, by faith, accepting what Jesus had done for us. Martin Luther said this, God does not accept the person on account of his works, but he accepts the works on account of the believing person. That's the way it works. You don't work your way to heaven. You work because by faith you know you've been forgiven. That's why you work. And that's the only time he accepts your works is when you've believed him by faith. And then he can accept the work that you do for him. Abraham was clearly saved, not by works. Abraham believed God, and God counted that to him for righteousness. So how about you this morning? Have you believed God? Have you taken God at His word? Or are you still trying to hold on to something yourself? Are you still trying to work your way to heaven? Or have you simply believed God and taken God at His word? Have you believed Him by faith? Some of you might be tempted to do this because here's what the devil wants to do. Oh, yeah, but you're different. You're really bad. Some of you will make this excuse and say, but you don't know how bad I am. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You know, God, I can't just take God at His Word. I've done too much in my life. Well, I know that God forgave David. Amen? And David did some pretty bad stuff. Worse than what any of you have done literally. But the Bible tells us this. The Bible says if we break any one part of the law, we're guilty of what? All of it. So if you've ever told a lie, you're as guilty as David was for murder. And if God forgave David, He'll forgive you. If you'll take God at His word, and believe that Jesus done everything necessary on the cross. Quit trusting in yourself. Quit trusting in anything but Jesus. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray right now if there's someone here this morning that has they, God, they've been holding on to something other than Christ. God, there's someone here that's been somehow thinking they had to be good enough to go to heaven. They had to obey the law in order to be right with You. God, help them to understand right now that Abraham was a sinner. David was a sinner. God, no one has ever been saved by works of the law. You tell us clearly in Your Word that no one, not one person, will ever be made right before You by obeying the law. Instead, we have to take You at Your Word. We have to be like Abraham. We have to say amen to Your promise. So Father, if there's someone here today that needs to say amen to Jesus, they need to quit trying. They need to understand how big Your grace is. They need to to realize right now You want to give them salvation as a gift. God, help them right now to say yes. Help them to to trust in Jesus and take you at your word. God, for those of us that have, oh, it's such a blessing. David said it was a blessing to know that you'll not count our sins against us. God, thrill us right now that know Christ as our Savior with a blessing of knowing that you've made us right before you, not by our works, but through our faith in Jesus. And that because of that, Our sins are covered, and you'll never ever count our sins against us. God, thrill us with that and help us to worship you right now as we sing. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. John leads us in a song that we call an invitation in church. I hope you'll really listen and you'll evaluate. Have you, been, have you been holding on to what you can do? Have you been trying to work your way to heaven? you Are trying to earn it? That will not work. You have to accept it as a gift from God. Believe God and He will count it as righteousness for you. If you've never done that, why not do it today before you leave this place? If you have done it, man, worship right now. The blessing of knowing... That you've been made righteous and you don't have to work to earn it and your sins will never be counted against you. Goodness, you ought to worship right now. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, Please visit us online at day3church.org Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.